Welcome everyone to the debut episode of Pro Wrestling Audio with Jack Bonza. I'm Joel Brown and it is a big hello and welcome to the leader of the Red Nation, Jack Bonza. Hey Joel, thanks for having us. Now, uh, right off the bat here, uh, a bit of a peep uh, behind the curtain, Bonza. I think it was uh, probably before Christmas uh, 2019, I sent you a message, just getting the feelers out there to see if you were kind of interested in doing a podcast. I mean, because uh, you've been a favourite guest of many Australian wrestling podcasts and radio show, especially with uh, Wrestling Source Radio. And I thought, what a great platform. Uh, not just to necessarily plug yourself, but I guess a platform to go deep in the weeds uh, and I guess discuss wrestling philosophy, what's happening with the current product uh, around Australia, PWA, and topics perhaps wrestling fans uh, wouldn't expect and we did sort of kick off with a little bit of a debate uh, with the name, but uh, you agreed, and uh, here we are. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I've wanted to do a, my podcast for a long period of time. I always enjoy being guests on like Conquer on the Fudge or Wrestle Radio Australia and all those other good ones that are out there at the moment. Um, but yeah, I've wanted to do one for my own, but I don't have the technical capability. <laughs> I don't know how to do the producing and all those other things that you do. So when you sent me the message and asked, I you know jumped at the opportunity. Obviously, kicking off pro wrestling audio with Jack Bonza talking about the incarnation of PWA Black Label. Now, I guess just a background, I guess on yourself, how you got into wrestling or you know quote unquote uh, broke in. Were you a uh, part of AWF? Was that initially your first introduction? Yeah, very quickly. I started training with AWF in 2007. Uh, I was there for about 18 months. In that period of time, I went and trained with uh, School of Hard Knocks, Jesse Hernandez, in California, um, which is where I first met uh, Rocky Romero and Joey Ryan and uh, and TJ Perkins and a lot of other guys like that. And Shane Haste, ironically, from Perth. He was there when I was there in the same house. But yeah, that was just uh, that was one of those things. Came back, uh, and again, probably about four or five months after that, I moved to PWA, and then um, I've been with Newcastle Pro since it began. Yeah, I, I trained with Booker T's, I've trained with Shakara, I've trained with Ring of Honor, I've done a lot of seminars around uh, around the country. I've trained with Farley Dojo, the New Japan stuff there, um, and yeah, I've just I've just kind of existed in, in Australian wrestling for for probably thirteen years now, I think. And I guess the wrestling landscape ten, fifteen years ago, even more. I mean, uh, you had your PCYCs uh, events being held in RSLs, and the relying of uh, on international superstars coming over the WWE. I guess sort of companies not. Even even making a profit when putting on shows I guess how could you sort of set the scene for when you got into wrestling how vastly it has changed over the past I guess 20 years almost I think the major difference is the quality of the actual work of the wrestlers like uh, before wrestling was small but it probably deserved to be small now wrestling PWA and a lot of the other places that are doing well at the moment really deserve to be something bigger and that's what we're trying to break through at the moment but yeah at the time we first broke in you know I remember me and J-Law oh it was J-Law first and then I copied him <laughs> the first people to get tights you know like oh, I wouldn't say first but it was very rare at the time and uh, he was the first guy around us to you know to get trunks and boots and just actually look like a wrestler before that everybody was wearing baggy shorts and, and, and sneakers and all sorts of and jeans and all sorts of weird stuff that just didn't look like anything like a professional wrestling product it was it was totally different but yeah I think I think the major thing we wanted to talk about today was the exception of the inception of Black Label mm. like uh, why we went from Pro Wrestling Australia to Pro Wrestling Black Label and how controversial the decision was to become 18 plus moving out of you know places like a community centre like a like a Kasula Powerhouse and then moving into something like a like a Max Watts or a Factory Theatre, and um, all the things that happened in the background behind the scenes uh, when it when it came to that stuff. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, a lot of uh, Australian wrestling fans they obviously will point to the Will Osprey Robbie Eagles match at Call to Arms, um, Paddington RSL 2017, I believe, and the big uh, Osprey promo after the match. I've been paying close attention to Australia and New Zealand for a while now, and listen, listen. I believe you guys have actually got the best wrestlers in the world back there, and I feel... And I feel... I feel they're not getting the credit that they deserve. So guess what's happening, guys? I might be going away for a little bit, but guess who's going to work on becoming a permanent resident in your beautiful country? I know my father and I know it all too well. I know 
that this place has got all the potential to be one of the best professional wrestling companies. But let's start from the beginning, um, I guess. Black Label, I mean, what what was it? What is it? And I guess what sparked it and why do you feel it needed to happen? So the thing about black label um is uh, that i think is interesting is that you're right like the real turning point was will osprey coming in and and his match with robbie which <laughs> it's on youtube go back and watch it it's still one of the most thrilling things i've ever seen live and the promo we cut afterwards um and him becoming pwa champion and mm. just how big a deal that was for us and just how great Osprey is for you know for doing that for us um, and we've got some stories about that I mean one of the quick ones that I throw in there is you know backstage after the show going up to him and you know just going to say thank you for being here and him just going fucking stop <laughs> you do not thank me thank you <laughs> he was so happy to be there he loves it he really loves it he is such a He's just such a credit to our sport, <laughs> like that he took his time out when he's in the position. He didn't need to do anything to help, um, and he went all the way out of his way. And that's how he really feels. But um, I think the interesting thing going into it was why we decided to go eighteen plus in the first place, and mm. all the things that led to that. And I think that you know, again, to set the scene at the at the exact period of time, uh, I had a few things written down. One of the major things that stuck out to me was speaking to somebody from around Melbourne or Adelaide or, or something like that, and they said to me, and they said it in such a way that led me to believe that this is a thing that lots of people say and just people in New South Wales don't normally get have it said to. It's like a thing that was said kind of behind our backs, like not mainly kind of thing, but it was like New South Wales doesn't draw. Right. That was the thing. New South Wales doesn't draw. And the thing about it was if you look at it from WWE's perspective – Sydney's an A town. They run Sydney every time they do a tour. They have A, B, and C towns. Mm. So that's why you get Sydney and Melbourne will get a show every single time because mm. Sydney and Melbourne are A towns. And then Adelaide is a B town, I think, um, or Queensland's a B town or something like that. And Perth is like a C town, yeah. which means that they will run Sydney and Melbourne every single time. They'll run the B towns every second time, and they will run the C towns every third time or something along that lines. That's why Perth and stuff like that don't get shows anywhere near as often as the other places because they just don't draw as big if you run as often so they don't worry about it so much so the comment of New South Wales doesn't, doesn't draw, draw. It is wrong well you can see why they thought that though because none of the shows in New South Wales ever actually drew but my perspective and again this whole podcast is my perspective I wouldn't even say this is my opinion I say this is going to be my perspective because it's just what I saw <laughs> um, to the best of my recollection so I mean there are going to be people who have disagreements with stuff that I say and that's, that's all good but again this is just the way that I saw it as it happened they can hit us up on social media yeah, yeah of course the thing was we didn't draw not because New South Wales was incapable of drawing but because the promotion was bad people weren't advertising properly people weren't putting on a product that deserved people to come in like it just it was just one of those things where it was like PWA you know in 2009 I think it was around the time from memory they were running Liverpool uh, Sonic Center shows right mm. so they trained out of this place from Sonic Center first Friday of every month we have a we have a show there and it was great like um, it was around about the time where AWF kind of collapsed like it still exists but it, it collapsed all the, all the good wrestlers at the time decided to leave so pwa had a few of those like myself and Jasmine mckenzie came across uh the the fitness maniacs mikey broderick and sean o'shea came back from lance storm's academy with his amazing gimmick and we're having kick-ass tag matches you had ahmed iblis you had robbie eagles coming up you had gene kelly joining like it was, it was a really good show um on top of you know all the women who are now currently signed at wwe <laughs> who are they you know billy gay and peyton royce and then uh madison eagles of course still there like we're all mixing it up like it was really really it was really really good time and they had this kind of golden run but after they left the masonic center because you know they couldn't afford it anymore or or for whatever other reason i'm the reasons that i'm not privy to um it kind of it kind of dropped off um, it, it just kind of wasn't that good. And the thing was that New South Wales doesn't draw. What was also happening at the time is you've got Newcastle Pro, who went from, um, who went from you know, 70 people at New Lambton Community Centre to making the move up to Charlestown Bowling Club. And Charlestown Bowling Club isn't you know, quite Max Watts, but compared to New Lambton Community Centre, it, it was. <laughs> so we had this nicer venue and this nicer club and stuff like that. And we're doing that and they were picking up the drawer. And, you know, when you get to about 2014, 2015, they were doing 400 people, mm. you know. So the concept that New South Wales doesn't draw just kind of wasn't working. But PWA was stale. And I guess that's where we were kind of 
getting to is they were running shows out of Kasula Powerhouse. And, and the reason why I bring all this stuff up is because of the lessons learned, right? You go from Marion Community Centre to the Charlestown Bowling Club, the crowds pick up. Yep. Why? The product didn't change. What changed? <laughs> a nice venue the ambience was better it was air conditioned it was a nicer place to visit the lighting was better the music was better the sound was better like you use little lessons like that Casula Powerhouse was a huge venue you could fit, fit 700 people in there but the roof was epic you couldn't do anything about the lighting because the powerhouse it was an art gallery that we ran shows out of so they had things that had to be lit up the whole time they refused to let us like if you do a wrestling show the ring should be lit up and the audience should be dark mm. It makes the whole thing feel better, but you couldn't do it. The sound echoed because of how big the place was. It wasn't good acoustics in there. It wasn't, a, it, and then you look at stuff like accessibility. Like it was fine at first, and then there's like a train track that you had to drive across, and they cut that off. So the only way to get there was you had to like drive. Like if you, you could see the powerhouse, but it would still be a ten minute drive because you would have to like go all the way around this back route. I used to park at the train station and walk across the train station path and then go there because it was easier than figuring out the back path all these little things prevent people from coming to the show yeah I guess if something there's no uh, transport or if it's hard to find or get to yeah yeah so you learn the lesson that you know you could have the best wrestling card in the world and the thing about PWA is the wrestlers have always been great they've always been good the quality of the matches and the shows have always been amazing it's it's the other stuff that wasn't existing that was a problem there was one year they had three shows one happened in February two of them happened in November and whatever there was like an eight month gap between PWA shows it was inconsistent nothing was being filmed um, or it was being filmed but we didn't know what happened to the footage we, like I mean it just wasn't you never got to see your own matches back like there were all these kinds of problems yeah so it went from being this kind of probably considered to be the top thing because of how great the wrestling was and then the monthly Liverpool shows and stuff like that to kind of dropping off the map a little bit while Newcastle Pro was doing so well so they were proving that it was possible um, it's and all then, about venue and, I guess, promoting it correctly. And promoting correctly. Like, the other great thing that Newcastle Pro did is they have that advertisement in Charlestown uh, Square across the street from whatever, outside the movie theatre in the food court. 90,000 people see that a week. You know, it, it's one of the smartest things anybody's ever done for a regular show. So that that picked up their audience because they advertise properly. <laughs> you know? And you talk, you talk about audience. I mean, and the big thing about Black Label, I guess, is it's 18 plus. And I guess traditionally wrestling has been promoted as a, a kid's uh, product. I mean, there's a lot of uh, 30 plus year olds, including myself, who are big wrestling fans. But I guess you look at the WWE targeted at kids, merchandising and all that type of stuff. And I guess when you're trying to, like you say, draw a crowd, uh, when you say you're going to go 18 plus, I guess would that that kind of suck a lot of air out of the room? Because I think, well, who are we going to, who are we going to, how are we going to get those people? That in? was definitely one of the big controversial decisions. Because the reason why I think WWE aim their audience a lot of at kids is like McDonald's. Yeah. You suck them in with the Happy Meals when they're five. They associate going to McDonald's as the biggest reward they can possibly get. That yeah. stays in their brain as they get older, and so they get in the habit. And so when they're adults, they still go to McDonald's. You try to draw an adult into McDonald's who's never been there before. He's not going to like it. Yeah. And so I think that's a lot of what. WWE does and the thing that was happening is um, we, we moved to Rudy Hill RSL we found another venue there and they had the same thought about kids in wrestling they thought okay this is a product for kids and the thing is Rudy Hill is a huge event venue but because they have the gambling mm. um, like there's a lot of gambling like there's a lot of poker machines and stuff there it's a huge floor um, they don't struggle to get adult adults in but they'd opened up all these new restaurants so they were looking for kids shows to draw families in uh, to eat at their restaurants. So that's what the idea of the Rudy Hill shows were. And if you ever went to one of them, they were aimed at kids because that's what the venue wanted. And then when we tried to do that, <laughs> you aim a show at kids. Tickets have to be about $10. Mm. They have to be cheap. So there's not a lot of money to be made, which is very difficult when you have a show that sometimes consists of 25 to 30 people uh, to pay everybody. And the shows had to be very... You couldn't do storylines that were in any way in-depth. There was no... There was no, there's no thing you could do, and we just kind of we did those shows because again we won't have another venue because finding a venue was so difficult. Mm. Because um, and you look at the RSLs and all the kind of stuff like that, you would walk into a place, you would say, "Hey, we want to do pro wrestling in this show," and then the front door person goes, "Yeah, that sounds great. I'll give you the details. Of the event manager, da 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 da. That sounds really good. You have a pleasant conversation with them. You get a call two days later, and they say, "Oh, I talked to somebody who's been working here for longer than me, and they said uh, we don't do pro wrestling because over the years." so many bad promoters yeah. have come in and put on like those products that I was talking before just guys in jeans looking like crap um, 
being bad backstage, not being respectful to whatever, like uh, the story about Central Coast Lease Club. <laughs> and this is just indicative of why finding venues was so difficult and important at the time. But uh, my auntie was a club manager at, um, oh, what's what's the place called out here? The really big club. Mingara. Mingara. Yeah, of course, of course. My auntie was a club manager at Mingara. And <laughs> so I said to her, have you ever thought about having pro wrestling? And she goes, oh, no one on the Central Coast will have pro wrestling. Right. And I said, why? And she said, because at Central Coast Lee's Club, apparently, and I don't know the promotion because she couldn't remember it, but she said that they were doing a show and apparently what had happened is they had ringside valets. Um, so it's just pretty girls to do and whatever because Central Coast Lee's Club used to draw 900 people. Like, this is during the Attitude Area when, because wrestling was so popular, local wrestling got the rub. And what they did was they they apparently actually hired strippers to be the ringside valets, thinking that, like, it's okay, they're just pretty girls will stand there, and then we have strippers around. I guess that's fun. Kid-friendly show, however. This wasn't an 18-plus era venue. (laughs) And then um, what happened is someone in the audience, being uncouth, yelled to one of these ladies, Oi, get your tits out! And she did. (laughs) But but she said because of that story, it was impossible to get pro wrestling anything because, again, this is another aspect we're going to talk about as we go back to branding. Back then, and I'm talking back then, beyond about the last three years, anything in pro wrestling, it's all the same. If one person stuffs something up, that's pro wrestling. It's not a different company name. Oh, it's well, it's a different kind of pro wrestling. So we're not worried. No, no, no. All pro wrestling was the same. Yeah. So because of that, you couldn't, you couldn't get a thing. And that's that's classic. And that's why it was so difficult to get venues anywhere. We visited 20, 30, 40 venues across Western Sydney. They simply refused to have us right. or would charge a, a fee for the room that was so exorbitant as to you know, preclude the, the possibility of having anything there without losing a large amount of money, which is not something we're interested in doing. So getting Rudy Hill ourselves was a huge get just because they allowed us to have there. But the problem is doing the kids' show was a headache. It didn't work. The audience didn't like it. We didn't draw enough people to make it worthwhile, and, and it was crappy. But then what happened one day is we got this... Uh, very interesting message <laughs> so anybody who had anything to do with promotion in new south wales who was even the slightest bit reputable was included in a group message right from uh, mcw saying we have this guy will osprey coming out yeah we have him on this date do you guys want him the day before and he asked this to everybody and <laughs> i got in there late and I come into this group message with everybody saying, sorry, we don't have a show that day. <laughs> sorry, we don't want him. We don't have a show that day. I've seen this and I've just immediately responded, we'll take him. We'll take him. We'll figure it out. We'll take him. We'll figure it out. And then I have private message the guy. I'm like, we'll take him. And he just goes, do you have a venue or a date yet? And I'm going, working on it. And then like, and then I had like, a, like the, we had to hunt down a new venue, like the Terminator. We couldn't get anything we're on our absolute last ropes we're contacting everybody every possible venue we could get to and eventually i think it was i actually think it was ricky south if someone had a job um who just they just happened to walk past paddington rsl every day and they're like if you tried paddington rsl they have boxing events there sometimes yeah. and i went no okay and so we had our guy contact paddington rsl and, and so they, this would be roughly about 2016, 2017? This is just before we had the first patent and RSL show with yeah. Will Ospreay. This is, this is that exact period of time. Yeah, right. And so, um, yeah, that they got contacted. They were open to it. They are like, yeah, we've had pro wrestling here years ago. That was great. And the club manager there was amazing. That club is really, like, I can't say enough nice things about the staff who work there and stuff. They were really great. Um, and they, they had the fee. The fee was, you know, quite reasonable and all that kind of stuff. Like, they were all, it, it, just, it just really clicked. Um, all that last minute with one little caveat and the caveat was due to our licensing restrictions if we were to have this be a show that children could attend it's going to cost X amount more because we have to add this many extra security guards we have to have a section for people who can drink alcohol and a Mm. section for people who are not drinking alcohol it causes all these other headaches what would you guys think about just having it be 18 plus and after being at Rudy Hill RSL and being forced into extra kiddie shows, like where we couldn't, 
we we couldn't say this like we we couldn't curse like yeah. I mean not that you normally would want to curse but you had to be super careful like yeah. occasionally a PWA someone would drop one B bomb for impact or something yeah? yeah like you couldn't you but you had to be so careful about those things because they were right on it like there were all these like things like and then we had to do these like you couldn't really do storylines or anything with any interest there was nothing and then somebody would come in and say like you can do an eighteen plus show and the thing about it too is when PWA had been so stale. And we were really working on trying to make it into something new and fresh and like and turn it into something different. Like, you know, we're thinking about changing the color scheme, we're gonna change the logo and do all this other stuff like that. And then someone's like like do that and like, what if we just made it eighteen plus? And especially like you gotta look at the surrounding times. Like this is like Bullet Club, mm. like the, the young bucks and all that stuff and Bullet Club, like this is the biggest thing in the world. And they're too sweet and they're telling everybody to fuck off, like they're they're crotch chopping again. Like this is the period of time where pro wrestling's becoming cool again. Yeah. For adults. <laughs> <laughs> like the counterculture, like the non WWE, the New Japan stuff, the stuff that's directed at adults was yeah. a better thing. And so we thought, what if our product was directed at adults? Because the other thing about the PWA roster is they don't want to do kiddie shows. They want to do all the dumb indie crap that you see on whatever like that. They want to kill themselves. They want to do interesting promos. They want to do all this other stuff. It's a performance art for them. Most of them aren't in it for the money, where they just don't care about what they're doing, but they're there because it's a day job. They want to do something like that. So removing restrictions, you can do anything like to a certain degree like you can swear you can do something that's slightly more sexual you can do something that's whatever we, we don't have to be so worried about it anymore mm. you can be more violent like you know just stuff like that it was just a whole different dynamic and that was the thing is we thought okay we're gonna make it 18 plus <laughs> and was, that, was the pwa roster were the majority sort of on board for that could they see that or was there i guess uh, people holding back or not going for it the wrestlers themselves totally for it yeah the people in charge of management it was a very controversial decision and, and it's the same thing we still get this now we get this from like i don't know why it comes into my head but graham fozzy young the ref we would always see his mates and we'd get the we'd get these twitter comments about something along the lines of not letting kids coming into your shows oh you're harming your audience that's not very fucking smart what an idiot like talking about pwa and we're just kind of like well yeah but nobody was coming to our shows before so yeah. <laughs> like, but the, the thing is but the controversy like is, is that exact point people thought we're halving our audience mm. if, if you don't allow kids to come to the show then you don't get the money from the kids and the parents who are only coming because their kid wanted to come aren't going to come anymore so yeah it was a gamble it was a risk it was just a and I guess reality, when you, mm-hmm. you do a venue like an RSL or anywhere that provides alcohol, I guess you have to say, well, if we get 18 plus here, they're more likely to spend more money on uh, booze or, you know, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was re- that was uh, Paddington RSL's big thing. They were yeah. just like, we have a big night at the bar. That's good for everybody. Yeah. And um, and if you're having a kid-friendly show, even if you weren't there with kids, if, if it's a kid-friendly show and they're around, you're probably going to be a little more careful. You're going to have a couple beers, but you're going to be all right. You're not going to get as loose if there's a four-year-old in front of you going oh i love wrestling like it's just not a thing which is good <laughs> but if you want to come and you know have a better time like it's just if you if you're into drinking or if you're into that kind of stuff like that then that's something that you're no longer restricted from doing to a degree you know yeah absolutely um if that's something you wanted so yeah that's really where black label coming from and coming up with the name was interesting too <laughs> yeah okay so i mean was that so will osprey he's uh he's all on board he's looking basically for a gig for the night before mcw <laughs> and you're just thinking all right we're, we're gonna work something out paddington rsl they're on board they're and on you're board. thinking 18 plus all right yep. uh so i guess was that the i guess the the thought the thought bubble all right this is a good chance to i guess re-image pwa come up with a new name absolutely yeah that was that was the exact thought process this is our chance to rebrand as something different because even like i mean pwa had existed at that point for i think they started in 2007 so they'd existed for nine nine years ten years or something to be kind of like this is different now without changing anything like Mm. it's just it's a marketing thing you know like i mean we talk about my background in wrestling like my background in I got a bachelor's degree in business. I got a professional. Uh, I got a, I got a master's degree in professional accounting. You know, like if you actually look at like a business plan, like if you want to to rebrand it and if you want people to look at it, doing something you know tangibly different. You can't just kind of be like, oh, with the new and improved PWA. Like, no, no, no. This is different now. This is black label. This is eighteen plus. And it's just kind of people turn their heads. They're like, oh, okay. So this is this is something different and interesting and controversial because kids can't be there. What are they going to do? And that's where you create some interest. And then Will Ospreay is coming to Australia. Holy crap! Like, and then just those combination of things. It was just kind of a perfect storm in terms of a launching pad. 
And okay, so um, that happens. Will Ospreay, Robbie, obviously yep. the big promo at the end of it. Uh, I think he did say that uh, he was going to try to get residency here in Australia. I don't yeah. think he necessarily <laughs> followed through on that. But essentially, the match and the promo afterwards um, that was basically uh, strapped the rocket to PWA and Australian wrestling. Yeah, he um, he meant it. He meant every word. Like, he didn't lie. Like, he was just kind of like... I mean, I don't know if we ever believed that he was really going to move here, but the fact that he said it and the fact that he really meant it because mm. he really wanted to help. Like, he loves Robbie. Like, he just he just loves Robbie. Like, um, they've, they've kind of not only known each other, but kind of had, like, semi-contact for, like, just years. And, um, I mean, Robbie's older than Will is. Like, yeah. it's just like Will watched Robbie before he came in. Like, oh, for real? Yeah, yeah, Like, so, I mean, he's not much older, but, he, you know, Will is actually his junior. Um, so it's just it's just one of those um, one of those things where he was super excited to be there. He was super excited to wrestle Robbie. It just went so well. Like it was just everything was great. And yeah, he absolutely meant it because you understand. Like he was is he was and still is dating B Priestley, who's from New Zealand. Yeah. So like when he was talking about coming to Australia or moving to New Zealand, um, yeah, it was just the thing that he he meant, especially when most of his. Um, bookings are in japan i think we're like a little closer to japan yeah it's like an hour or so difference it's just kind of a thing but i mean that being said then you know he has family in england it's hard it's not that easy to pick up your life and just move move somewhere but he absolutely meant it at the time and i'm sure he looked into it and and stuff like that it just didn't quite come to be but the fact that he was willing to say that and willing to do all that kind of stuff and draw attention and do the whole thing and he took the title you know like he did all that stuff it was huge it was huge well it's not <laughs> like uh, some other people who'd like say oh yeah we'll be back and then you, you never hear from him again I mean he's regularly in Australia doing seminars yeah. uh, stuff with uh, PWA MCW all yeah. other promotions around the country and I guess that was a big part of the promo he said you know the likes of PWA MCW and I think he uh, mentioned the guys uh, out of Adelaide whose name eludes me is it um, RCW um, I don't think he mentioned them. <laughs> no, I'm, pro- I'm probably putting things in there, but I mean, I mean, that was a great endorsement for yeah. you know uh, oh, Australian yeah, for wrestling, sure. and especially for PWA, being that that's where he was wrestling. Um, but I mean, okay, that's all well and good. That's you know, that's the kind of endorsement you need. But then, yeah. but then what? Well, that's step one. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, it's it's easy to be like, oh, that was okay, that was a great show, guys. But I guess, how do you follow that up? Where to after? Well, yeah, and that's the and that's the difficult thing, and because we're, we're still in the point of like you know trying to find venues like it's not an easy thing to do and because like when you look at something like finding a venue the other the other thing that was so good about that black label show was everyone's like oh man it was you know will osprey was there it's like nah man it was the fact that it was dark (laughs) it was good seating it was all point of the ring it wasn't well lit enough for like camera so if you actually go back and watch the show it's it's too dark mm. to have been filmed in that but actually being there live the ring was lit up well enough for you to see the audience was dark like it, the atmosphere was better bands play at Paddington RSL so their sound system it's was good, decent yeah. enough for our music to be heard that kind of stuff is is so important when it comes to a venue where Paddington fell down and where we probably didn't end up continuing to run there is access parking was awful right um you know if the cricket was playing that night like it was right next to the like i want to say scg scg um if the cricket or the footy was on that night getting there was a headache (laughs) like it was so hard like and then to not like run against the footy or cricket it was just impossible to kind of do there's no parking like there's no public transport how do you get there yeah you know, so we have something like Will Ospreay. Yeah, people really make a big effort. You just want to run every month. You can't bring an international or a big interstater every single month. You have to rely on your own roster. You have to cultivate your own roster to the point where your local guys are stars. It's the only way to be affordable. It's the only way to be sustainable. And mm. on that note, that was a question I was going to bring up. Uh, I mean, is there something in the past that some promotions had, you know, they've gone to the world too many times trying to pay exorbitant amount of money to bring some international star over and their own local talent was kind of getting glossed over? You say in the past, like, it doesn't still happen. <laughs> um, absolutely, constantly. I mean, yeah. look at AWS run. Like, they had uh, Seema, which worked very well. They had um, uh, Gamma. Um, God, I haven't got that name right. Um, who Who didn't work as well um but the thing was and i again this was like my the first match i ever had sema was on it yeah was so they drew 400 people it was the biggest show i was ever on it was my first two shows at uh cardiff newcastle and uh pa- cardiff panthers in it was somewhere in newcastle and, the, and oh, cardiff thinking, obviously and you're, thinking, <laughs> and you're thinking wow this is easy yeah yeah it was like oh wow big shows this is great and then yeah it just it just didn't happen again and then you know he had a. Uh, X Park. There was Raven. Mm. There was. I mean, God, Raven was a whole thing. Um, there was. Um, 
Who else did he have back then? Brian Danielson. Yeah. Like, like, bef- like before, before WWE. Like, yeah. yeah, like yeah. it was just, they had, uh, I think he had like those super shows with like Nigel McGuinness and Austin Aries and stuff like that. Like, and, uh, and Kid, Kid Cash was yeah. on there. Yeah, none of them drew. You know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those things where now, and then the, it still kind of happens now. I've got a whole other episode on, on people bringing internationals out, but the key to it really is that at this point, it happens so often, so frequently, mm. that if you don't have the right locals on the card as well, then nobody cares yeah. because another one's going to come out next week. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, so it's, um, yeah, it's quite interesting. But yeah, at that time, it was kind of like a good first step. We got the matchup on YouTube as quickly as humanly possible to try and, you know, get something out there that people could see. Promote um, yourself, absolutely. People could see us. But I mean, so, I mean, after Pat or so, what was the, what was the next thing? I think we ran a game with Mike Quackenbush. That's what I was um, going to say. Um, he obviously had a big influence uh, on yourself and PWA, um, just with the knowledge that I guess he has as a pro wrestler and as a promoter himself uh, yeah. over in the States, because uh, that's uh, Sh- uh, Shakara, correct? Um, yeah. Yeah, so how did, I mean, how does that relationship form? So, I mean, like, I trained with Shakara years ago. Um, Madison trained with them even before that. One of the interesting tidbits was when I was staying with Madison over there on one of my first trips. Um, <laughs> Mike Quackenbush and Claudio Castagnoli would drive the train together and because of how much they loved Madison they would pick Madison up but because there was a spot in the car and I was there I'd get in the car with them as well right. <laughs> so I'd have these car trips just sitting in the back just being this kind of like two year rookie with like Claudio Castagnoli and Mike Quackenbush and then yeah Madison doing whatever just sitting there listening to them talk about wrestling and stuff like that Claudio Castagnoli is literally I would still say the nicest person I've ever met in my entire life. Like, he's he's just such a good dude. <laughs> um, but that was one of those funny things. But, yeah, so we've all known him for years. Like, lo- lots of lots of PWA people have gone over to the Shikara school. And, and then, um, yeah, we decided to bring him out and, uh, and do the whole thing. But then Madison got injured. And because Mike is so injury, like, prone himself, like, he just he just didn't want to do another match like if it wasn't Madison so we ended up doing commentary and doing like a meet and greet and stuff like that but it didn't go as well you know like he wasn't a hot button wrestler the same way Will Ospreay was and I mean that's an, the next thing within there's the wrestling bubble we'll sort of talk about bubbles off air within sort of different type of industries and what people think is a thing or it's not a thing now Mike Wackerbush if you're sort of within wrestling you know who that is and like what knowledge you can but say if I'm a punter outside of wrestling I like wrestling casually I'm not going to know who certain names are I mean no. how, how do you, was that was that a struggle as well breaking through to you I guess to get your casual audience in in the building to check out your product and then they would be converted somewhat yeah it still is and the thing about PWA Black Label is that that's not who we aim for like it, it's not someone we don't want the WWE fans and mm. don't get me wrong we want everybody yeah but when I say we don't want WWE fans I mean we're not specifically working towards them we're working towards the people who watch WWE and don't like it we're working towards the people who want an alternative from yeah. WWE we are actively being different if we tried to copy WWE they would kick the crap out of us because they're a multi-billion dollar corporation. If you can't be better, you've got to be different. Yeah, so we're going to do something different that they, they can't or don't produce on their shows. And that's the thing. See, my wife loves Metal Kings, right? The amount of people that she's gone there heard someone talk about my wrestling and then just gone, oh, my husband's Jack J. Bonds. And I turned around, are you serious? Like, <laughs> like, it'd just be like a whole thing because the people who go to those, and I'm not talking about Metallica, I'm talking about, you know... Um, Death metal type Devil of stuff. driver. Yeah, know, I'm yeah. talking about like you know the the bands that if you're in the metal community, like, yeah. you've heard of them, and you like them, and whatever yep. like that. But if you're a casual fan, you've never heard of them. Absolutely, that's the same people that we get. It's the counterculture. It's the subculture of people who aren't into the normal mainstream things. You're into something a little bit different, a little bit a little bit cooler, and that's what we're aiming for. It's funny um, that you mentioned the the music and wrestling. There's there's always, it's kind of like the shoehorn. Like there's always that weird connection with wrestling and music, and it's it's crazy. It is, and especially on PWA Black Label, and that was like one of our our themes early on once we got to Max Watts. But I think you know, like we were kind of in a little bit of a. Uh, we didn't quite know what to do with ourselves after the first show because Pat RSL mm. was good, but again, like I was talking about the access, it just wasn't home. It was too hard to get to. So we tried some other places. So like I think one of the next things we did was um was Padding was Paddington not Paddington Parami, uh Paramount Paramount, RSL. Yeah. And um and that was uh Lock Stock and Two Sweating Barrels. That's the one. Um it was uh 
we had bad luck folly you know we had uh we had uh gino gambino just joined the bullet club you know like we had these guys out there and it was also we did a new japan tryout like the folly dojo tryout during the day of the show and then um and then had him perform on the night but the other thing is painting ourselves a nice room too but it was really expensive like it just it just wasn't uh doable for what the what the show kind of was that name is still i reckon one of the cleverest names we've ever come up with for a show yeah and we still had to explain it to 80 percent of our <laughs> roster because they'd never seen the movie lock stock and two smoking barrels yeah which i was just deeply disappointed <laughs> uh so that was one of those things but yeah it was another cool show it was a cool match it was just another it was just another kind of step and then after that we tried doylson rsl which is a different area um and this was another thing where it was really like we got there their sound system didn't work mm. we couldn't do lighting it was the most awkward wrestling show i could remember being in people sitting in the chairs were just like it was just it was weird it was weird like there was no atmosphere zero atmosphere yeah. <laughs> and it was just one of those other things where it sucked at the time but it was another like point towards you could have the best roster in the world but if the music is off if the lighting is off if the production mm. is off yep. it still sucks again music wrestling I mean um, my generation I've never seen a wrestling show where the performers don't have music or yeah. some, some form of you yeah. know I guess theatrics and I guess if you kind of take that away uh, it's not, not, not that it's less of because I mean back in the day I mean in the 70s and that, they didn't have music and obviously it was still a great product but uh, I don't know the music and wrestling it just sort of peanut butter and jelly and it adds to the atmosphere and I guess if you sort of coming out to I guess something that's very very much like this it's hard well, to connect well definitely the other thing about you know fans and people in general is they're basically spoiled brats <laughs> so like when you say we didn't have music and yeah. no one had music yeah. and then all of a sudden someone spent a lot of money for one show to have music yeah and then everyone was like yeah this is the best thing ever and then you try to do a second show and go back to not having music then people are just gonna bitch that there's no music yeah. so like once you up the ante you kind of have to keep going with keep it all, going better, and that's yeah. sometimes where you got to be careful about upping the ante too high because <laughs> yeah. it's like okay we can do this extra great thing but then we can't do it next time um and either the little things like imagine if pwa went back to not having the entrance screen because yeah. we originally didn't have it at max watts you know but if we went back to not having it people would winch i mean <laughs> we've had the file the the file guys um the tryout and then obviously things not working there at the doilo i mean is that kind of like all right well we 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 won't go back there or if we do were to ever go back there we need to have certain things sorted so see yeah and the, the thing was we'll just we'll just searching like we knew what we needed like we knew we needed the place with good music we knew yeah. we needed the place with good atmosphere because again you understand just like we have this roster of great wrestlers who are capable of doing great things the other the other internal concern we had at the time was that we weren't doing any stories every show was a one-shot show yeah so like um you know there if you pay attention to wrestling there's two different kinds of shows like i think the greatest example of one shots are most of iwa shows so like they'll do a lot of shows in like a uh, dubbo yeah or, or like tamworth or somewhere where you have no chance of seeing regular wrestling so what will happen is they'll have matches they'll have like their main event over the title um the two bad guys will run out in a fear beat up the babyface champion the other two babyfaces from the card will come out and save them and then that's the end of the show oh wait no it's not tag team we're gonna have a tag team contest and of course the heels are very upset about this and the baby faces are very excited for this and then they go to an mission and come back and have a big six man tag baby faces overcome the heels everybody's happy the story begins middles and ends in one card because that's all those people are going to see until the next year when they come back yeah right um but what they were complaining about like and i'm saying internally more like i don't know how many fans we had that were paying attention to every show which was the exact problem is that um we weren't doing any stories yeah. and and the way that i put it was i'm like okay we had a show at the Doylson. We had a show at Paddington. We had a show at Parramatta. We had a show at Casula Powerhouse, which had a show at Rudy Lysol. Imagine if I got in front of the audience at Doylson, and I got up there and I said, why did the chicken cross the playground? And the audience went, why? And then I walked backstage. And then a week later, we're doing a show at Paddington RSL. And I walk out, I grab the microphone, and I go, to get to the other slide. The audience 
Yeah, you just got that, didn't you? <laughs> no, but the, the, the point is, though, that neither audience is going to appreciate it because they heard the beginning at one and they heard the end at the other, but it doesn't make sense yeah. without together. So we had to constantly do one-shot shows. It was the only thing that we could do, but, of course, the wrestlers, they want to have their you know long-term storylines with their built-up feuds like and stuff a story like that. Yeah, yeah, because that's, that's part of what makes it interesting as a wrestler. But we couldn't do it because we didn't have a regular venue and none of the venues seemed quite right. But then, as we're still looking, we still couldn't work it out. But then, of course, that's when progress wants to come to Australia. Yeah. Um, and that's when we get contacted for, through our website by somebody claiming to be from Star City Casino. Right. And so we get this thing from Star City Casino, and they went to a Newcastle Pro show um, because I felt that was a much better representation of wrestling than going to one of the PWA shows. Right. And this was a little earlier. This is probably before Osprey, right? Like, this is probably, like, that's when we actually heard from Star Casino. They came up and looked at it, and they just kind of went, listen, we're looking for something that will bring people in to gamble. That's what we're here for. Buy, it's, buy like your, grog, yeah. Yeah, they saw, like, a show with, like, 400 people at it. Like, they saw a great Newcastle Pro show. But the thing they said was, that was great. We had a great time. We actually really love what you guys are doing. That was that was really fun. But we feel like, and the thing that put them off was that the, the announcer got the microphone and said, the following contest is scheduled for one fall. And the whole crowd went, one fall. And they were just like, most of our members aren't wrestling fans now we feel like your shows are too esoteric if you don't already know all these things you're not going to have a good time it was an in joke like they were like mm. we need something we can present further and that's why they weren't interested but the thing is if you do the math on doing a show at something like star city casino if you're not charging 120 dollars a ticket you, it's not going to work like you're going to be out twenty thousand dollars like you're not messing around like this is one of the biggest most expensive venues you could possibly have absolutely but then we get the call from progress and progress want a venue they want to date and they want to do a tour around australia and then i'm thinking okay <laughs> we got pete dunn we got mustache mountain we got tony storm we got jimmy havoc maybe that'll work at the star you yeah. know that's that's we could charge 120 dollars a ticket for that because i mean those guys <laughs> are um technically under w besides jimmy having at the time mm -hmm. um uh, wwe contracts nxt so they're kind of been seen pete dunn defended the wwe title against ug yeah the, the uk title wasn't yeah, it? yeah yeah so like it was it was a real it was a real thing like of people who'd been promoted so that was where the decision was like, okay, maybe this is a thing. And that's when we call them. And we go, you know, we know you guys weren't interested in that, but we've got this place from England that's associated with WWE who has all these huge stars. And we actually feel like this will really work on this weekend. And the thing was like, trying to get them was like, they, were gonna, they wanted to run on the Wednesday because that was the only day they had because they, they rent out their hall to like dinners and executive meetings. So they're, they're, it's very busy. It's hard to get a Saturday or something. And, um, so it was really difficult because I thought we could pull off Thursday maybe it'd be okay but yeah it just wasn't a thing they were trying to get us to come in on Wednesday and it just wasn't going to work mm. and then what happened was when we looked around we thought okay that's interesting and then we went to Max Watts and we talked to them and we just kind of walked in and looked around and just went holy crap this place is perfect because uh, <laughs> it's a music venue isn't it it's a music yeah. venue it's, it's, it's all it is yeah. it, they do bands and stuff like that there that's that's the big that's, that's all it ever was house what it's literally it's ha called house max what's house music that's what the venue is called um but it had a car park mm. it, it, it had a bunch of restaurants and bars around it. it like it had all this stuff that you needed it had like this thing where like you know um, it had the mezzanine so people can look down and then you can hang banners and do the New Japan thing like the backstage was nice like it was actually like really really good and then we kind of they were excited for us but then I've gone back to Star and just kind of gone like we're actually going to go somewhere else and they were like are you serious? <laughs> like they were just like because they, they're the Star yeah. and we're pro wrestling they couldn't believe that, that we you would reject them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you guys were going to walk away. Yeah, we we're going to do Max Watson, man. And then, like, we we want to do show at Star City Casino. We don't want to lose twenty five thousand dollars doing a show at Star City Casino. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that. It's just it's not working. And that's when they gave us the Monday. <laughs> oh, right, so yeah. like, you're trying to like um, dance between, and I'm talking like you're talking to the guys who run Progress, and you're talking to Star. Yeah, and you're trying to line both of them up for a date when you're. I mean, PWA now, even so, but PWA back then, like, you were a nobody indie, yeah. like, indie place in Sydney who's somehow juggling Star City Casino and progress, and both of them are trying to lock you down for a date and kind of getting annoyed that they can't announce it yet and all these other things, and you got all the promoters because we can't announce it yeah. until we can announce it. Yeah. Like, and it's just kind of like, 
Was there a little bit of uh, the uh, quote-unquote working anyone to kind of obviously get uh, Star City to kind of jump on board? We go like, oh, we we got this other venue, guys. No, we had Max Watts, and that was the thing was we were actually it wasn't a bluff like that's what we're gonna do. Um, and then, of course, they gave us the Monday, and you know the rest is history. Yeah, because you know, Monday would big... be a better than obviously a, a Wednesday or definitely, yeah. and, and it worked out nicely. I mean, it's still the biggest draw anyone's had. Like, yeah, I, I mean, mean that's a bit, uh, outside WWE. That's probably one and of the New biggest. Japan. New, yeah, New <laughs> Japan, of course, yeah. uh, the biggest probably wrestling event that Australia has held, at least in Sydney. Um, I would say for certain in Sydney. Yeah. I would say there are probably some things that have happened outside of Sydney um, that that might top it, but it's very rare. Like, yeah. you know, a thousand, a thousand, eleven hundred, twelve hundred people. It's like, whatever. It was just, it's not like, yeah, no one's upset about that. Because <laughs> I honestly thought that, um, obviously, the reputation that PWA Black Label would have got from the Progress Show is what led to Max Watts. But you guys had Max Watts well yeah, before. Yeah, it actually wasn't, and that's that's what's interesting, you know. But I mean, certainly it helped having a show at Star Casino, even selling ourselves now. Like, look, walking back to people and say we did a show at Star, yeah. they were like, "You what?" Like, it's actually like a really big thing. It went really well. Star, like the casino people. Love, like love this yeah. and stuff like that like it was just a really good thing but again it's so expensive it's just not that practical to keep running there but we still have a good relationship with them well know? that's what I was going to say I mean <laughs> it would have to be the right circumstances yeah. would a PWA black label and say like a progress or another company of sorts like say even like a New Japan would there be interest in sort of going back there but it would yeah, have, to, I mean, it would have like, to be the right when, when when New Japan wanted to come and find a venue that was one of the places to be explored they just yeah. couldn't work out a uh, the, a date you know it just like it was just it just didn't line up logistically um, so it was one of those things but then yeah after we did Star and we were looking for another venue we just kind of went why don't we try Max Watts yeah. <laughs> like, and that's where we started the first one and of course because it's a music venue um, sound quality going to be great You yeah but even like the names of the shows so the first show we did at Max Watts was called We Sold Our Souls for Rock and Robbie which yeah. is you know a, a reference to a Kiss album we sold our oh pardon not Kiss Black Sabbath yeah, album gonna, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, we, we <laughs> sold our souls for um, rock and roll yeah you know, I don't think anybody understood the name. Like we had a, um, we had a shirt that was based on the album cover. Yeah, that's right. Is, which, which one was that? The one no, I'm, I'm thinking of sabotage. I think the ones when they're looking in the mirrors. What what is the? Uh, oh, it's, it's very plain. It's just the font, and there's like a like a red cross at either end of it, and says right. we sell our souls for whatever. It was one. I think it was one of the earlier things. But um, did yeah, we, have, we did. Do we that. have any black Sabbath playing that night? Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Like if you go to the. Um, like that was one of the original themes was the pre-show music and, and the intermission music was always a thing yeah. um, and we'd always do different themes around whatever like you know Fridays for the Babes would have you know like we literally let Wahlberg pick the playlist like just to make sure it, it lined up when we did All Eyes on Troy mm. all the music was rap like we tra- we actually theme our shows very heavily around the music because it's so important to the atmosphere of the event kind of like hey this is like that you said the babes they are running take, you know they're running the, show. Run the show yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, so, and everything has to reflect that um, things changed when we went live stream because we the intermission wasn't the same you know we have a pre-show like what we do now is so that people at home don't get dead air but the live people can have an intermission is we run a we'll, we'll film a, a pre-show match at 7.30 for like 10 or 12 minutes and then that one gets used on the following show during the intermission so there are actually nine matches if you watch it online but that way there's no gap I mean, I don't um, want to jump um, too far ahead, but I know Ovo, which you're alluding to here, is yeah. such an important thing. I mean, is is that a must for today's product? Like, just in general, like, say, Black Label aside, if you're going to run a wrestling company and you want to be successful, you need to be able to stream it. People need to be able to see it live. Um, I don't think so at all. No. Uh, so it just it depends on your business plan. Um, it just depends on what you want to do, you know. And I go back to IWA, and it's just one of those things where, you know, <laughs> you hear this stuff all the time. What's the best company in Australia? Mm. What's the best company in Australia? PWA. <laughs> what do you mean by best? Yeah. And that's the thing that I always I always get with people is because it's like, okay, it's a business. The best company is the one that makes the most money. Did PWA make the most money? Mm. You don't know. And that's and that's the thing is like last year, hell no. You know how much money uh, live streaming equipment costs? Yeah. <laughs> we went. We met a loss because you know we had to invest twenty thousand dollars in live stream equipment. It's, it's not 
cheap to do stuff like but, that. But you're a businessman. Do you, you, you see that, look, we're, we're going to be at a Oh, it's an investment. We, investment. we yeah. wouldn't have done it and if we didn't think that was we are going to make more money off it in the future. But that's the thing is that, like, what does best mean? Are you talking about in-ring quality? Are you talking about production? Are you talking about promos? Are you talking about um, what you'd like to watch the best? Are you talking about who makes the most money? Are you talking about who gets the most eyes on it? Are you talking about whatever? Like, saying which is the best is so subjective that you see people getting in arguments because best means different things to different people mm. and that's the argument I always get in with people as I talk about who's the best wrestler in the world the best wrestler in the world is Brock Lesnar because he makes the most money well John Cena recently uh, <laughs> said that in an interview as well oh good yeah. alright well I've got, I've got I'm in good company <laughs> but no like the thing is he made the most money for the least work yeah you know so and he's a, he's a name that would you say you can, can draw absolutely People yeah but none of that matters he made the most money for the least work and that's the point is that's the objective thing it's professional means you make a living out of it yeah so the best professional wrestler is the person who made the best living out of wrestling and and that's he made the best living out of wrestling he's the best and there's no arguing and that's the thing is unless you want to change your question and be like okay who's the best in ring performer mm. That's a different thing to best different category, pro wrestling. Yeah. And that's that's what you say. Like, what's the best? What's the, what's the thing? Is like, is do you need to do a live stream? I don't know. Is that the most profitable thing? Did you find another way to be more profitable? You know, like, is it does it costing you more to do the live stream than you're making up the live stream? And is it going to go somewhere that's going to make more money or are you going to keep losing money? Like, there's different stuff like that that you think about. Like, if you're actually going to talk about best pro wrestling company, you just mean best company in that industry and the best company is the one who makes the most money. That's it. <laughs> 2018. So uh, this would have yeah. Been let's go back. We got a little bit because <laughs> I, I, I believe this this progress event. This happened in uh, 2018, and it would have been about April. Um, looking at the dates here, but I, I, there's also a significant date why I kind of remember it as well. Yeah. It was because me and my wife essentially went while this show was going. We were jetting off to Hawaii for right. our honeymoon. So <laughs> I was like, it was good. I was going on a honeymoon, but I was like, ah, oh, I couldn't get to the star and watch, watch yeah, this great right. wrestling. Um, okay, that's that's done and dusted. Essentially, got Max Watts. That's the venue now that's yep. I mean to be like a real wrestling mark is that kind of do you kind of see that as like you know how the ECW arena was like it's the ECW arena that's where yeah. that was their home is Max will you say Max Watts is the home of PWA Black Label oh yeah absolutely of course yeah yeah and that's the thing I think it's like a it'll be something that'll be remembered mm. I think like even if we move up to something bigger or if we move on or do something like that pointing back at Max Watts as being this like spiritual home that, and that's where we felt like home. You know, that's where everything clicked and everything was everything was good and that's the place that we love to be. Um, and I believe, was it uh, Call to Arms? We uh, had the rematch with uh, Robbie and Osprey. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, I mean, Osprey came back and did a Paddington show in the middle there too, um, which was interesting. It was the first time we used a big lighting rig. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that one, it started late because the lighting rig uh, couldn't get out, which was lucky we didn't live stream because you can't start a live stream late. Um, but it was just one of those. It was just one of those things where it was like it still drew well, but it was just kind of it clearly wasn't working that much. But yeah, so we're up to Max Watts. We sold ourselves for Rock and Robbie. I think that was when uh, Johnny Rock, like uh, the Bronson Reed, I think he won the PWA title. Mm. Um, I think it was it was just one of those things that was um, that was interesting because and this this is the thing, right? And so we go back to like building storylines. Now that we have a home, yeah, we had to start building storylines. And so the thing about like. Uh, like Bronson Reed winning the title and the reason why Bronson Reed won the title is because we'd had um, Caveman Ugg versus Jonah Rock at the, the at the Osprey show they opened it <laughs> it was insane like and it was just an opening cover you go back and watch it they didn't do anything too crazy but fuck it was good like it was just it was such a good match to watch and you kind of go like Okay, like, <laughs> like, because I saw, I think I saw them a few, uh, a few months later. I think when uh, WWE did the big show down in Melbourne, they uh, wrestled at MCW. Oh, okay. And these are just two guys beating the absolute yeah. shit out of each other. It, it was just so good to see like a hoss match, like yeah. just like, and that was one of those things, and that's why that original Osprey card worked so well too, because there's so much diversity in the card. Like I can talk forever about card psychology. Like it's just it's insane, like how you have different kinds of matches with different finishes and different stars and stuff like that. It's its own science that, yeah. that doesn't seem to get taught anywhere um, so it's like um, it's a really interesting thing but yeah that Hoss battle was just something and then we kind of had a rematch with them where because um, I mean I won the first match and then um, we kind of had a rematch somewhere where, where Jonah won and that and the whole of the plan since Jonah won the title was eventually we're going to do Ugg and Jonah in a cage um, 
Of course, Jonah Rock was deathly ill that day in the cage match. <laughs> I mean, laying on the couch, sweating up a storm backstage before this big cage match. It was just... I mean, sometimes stuff just doesn't line up properly for you. But like that was the thing, and that was the beginning of the of the long term storytelling. But see, what what was so interesting about it right, is that all of a sudden we've got this new home, we're building this new following, we have these champions. But what happens with storylines? And anybody who goes back and watch uh, Peter Bear's Sword Fight, you'll see this too. Not a lot. Not a lot of satisfying things happen. And it's because if you have to start a storyline, normally the first match in a storyline is, is, is indecisive on purpose because um, it's going to build somewhere. Mm. But like the whole thing was this is the beginning. And so we're desperate to get new people to come to our shows. We don't want people to go, that was boring. But at the same time, we know that we need to keep storylines coming. So we had to kind of do something that was interesting in the short term but also start building longer-term storylines. And I'm a very big believer in championship defenses for no reason. are ludicrous. Yeah. Like, I think it demeans the title. And so sometimes, like, I see someone on Twitter going like, oh, does PWE ever defend our titles? And I go, we do it three times a year, and they're always the biggest match that ever happened. <laughs> the build to a PWA heavyweight championship match yep. normally takes a year. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not something you can do. And that's why the Jonah Rock thing was so important because we made him champ, but you already had this pre-existing match with Ugg that people knew about. Yeah. So you could kind of build Ugg for a while. And obviously, Max Watts, <laughs> the venue, that's where you can yeah. build the stories there. And what yeah. about, I guess, utilising the likes of Facebook, Twitter, um, and sort of, I guess, implementing people who can sort of shoot, help shoot sort of, I guess, footage and story arcs is, yeah. is that sort of, that was getting implemented at this time as well yeah we were just kind of experimenting with it like we had somebody who um who came in and filmed they were kind of not the best people like they just like um they weren't passionate about it like they they didn't want to show up until 10 minutes before the show like one of the problems I had with them is we had them film um the star show and they and we're like, I'm like okay what time are you getting here and they were like Oh, I mean, the show starts at 7.30, so we'll get there about 7. And I'm talking, like, I was there the night before doing fire escape plans. Mm. Like, you had to write out a full thing. Like, the people filming this show at this venue, like, if you saw the effects and the screen and the lighting and stuff we had, I'm just like, you need to be there by 3. And they were just like, oh, we don't want to get... Like, they just, they couldn't give a crap about being there. Like, it was just this thing. I'm like, imagine getting to the Star City show where we drew over a 1,000 people with Pete Dunne and Mustache Mountain and all these extra lighting things. It was this whole huge work thing. And then the camera guys wanted to get there 20 minutes before it started. I'm like, no. <laughs> like, are you, they need direction are you on where to... crazy? Yeah, like, yeah. you need to set the camera. You need to coordinate with the lighting and music people. You need to, you need to see, like, all this stuff. And, like, I, I had to pay them twice as much to get there two hours... To get there at five. Yeah, right. They just didn't want to do it. And so, like, it was the same thing about Max Watts. It was like, they were kind of cool, but, like, it just wasn't a thing. And then we met Ben Anderson and, like, and all the stuff. And he's just the absolute best um, at, in terms of quality but also as a human being who's also passionate about being there and does a great job and stuff um, and was he, was Ben a wrestling fan going into this or he met Fudge in uni yeah right <laughs> <laughs> so if you ever remember like the I think it was it was Ricky South and Fudge were doing a tag team gimmick at Nui Pro it was the first cinematic style promo that got released um, and it was like them at a restaurant but it wasn't filmed like a promo where it was just somebody there or whatever it was actually filmed with like like facial perspectives yeah. and like it would show Fudge's face and then it would go back to Ricky like a, like a TV show yeah. and that was like okay that was interesting and then like and then other people wanted to use him and then we kind of chatted to him and then we asked him if he wanted to help us out in doing it and stuff like that and that's where he, he kind of got on board um, and he's the guy now oh he's the man yeah <laughs> um, he's he's arguably some combination of him and Jax Jordan are absolutely the most valuable assets that PWA or any wrestling company anywhere could possibly have at this point in time. Our production and videos are just so much better than they have any right to be. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just it's just insane how good it is. I mean we talk about the star and the progress shows. Ever go back and watch those announcement videos for what the matches were gonna be? I still get chills thinking about the uh the Ugg and Pete Dunn one where it's like Pete Dunn doing that promo over Adele's like Hunger Games song and then all of a sudden like the music kinda goes down and you hear the crowd going, Ugh, 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 and then it turns and oh man, it was just it was just such an insane thing. But that was all Jax. He's totally self taught too. He did not have any training. <laughs> like he just he just figured it out. Um, that, I mean, that's sort of classic Australian culture. Just the old do it yourself, oh, and, and, <laughs> and it's, it's played dividends. I mean, but most people yeah. when they do it themselves, we end up with paste, posters done on paint. You know, like he yeah. <laughs> he figured out how to do all the stuff properly. But sorry, the thing that I was trying to get to about the storylines at Max Watts was that um, 
we had to somehow keep people interested yeah and um but also and grow the audience but also we needed to take time to build up contenders for the titles we needed to take time to build up stories and the reason why I bring this up is that's the only reason why the Coliseum tournament happened and the whole thing was like we were trying to think how do we have something that's interesting and tangible in the short term that gives us time to also build up other contenders and the idea was a tournament and you know and the other thing was like well there's a bola there's a there's a you know battle of los angeles with pwg there's a there's a super strong style tournament you know there's a king of trios and i'm just kind of like okay i think we actually got an opportunity here to both try to implement this big deal tournament but also it gives us time to build to a championship contender while giving people a reason to, to keep, keep watching coming back. yeah absolutely um so that's the only reason why Coliseum started. <laughs> it, was just, it was this whole thing where we were just like, all right, let's just do a tournament to waste time until we can build contenders for the for the various titles. And then also, like, having the PWA champions in it at the same time. Like, you go back to, like, um, like the star was, was where the... Like, if you look at, like... Um, if you actually go back and watch that match, and it's on Progress's On Demand, it's not on our On Demand. Um, but you um, you see Mick Moretti getting cheered and me getting booed and that's the first one where it was like okay like there's something interesting there and then our whole tag team dynamic became that one of us would get cheered one of us would get booed and mm. I'm I'm very I don't care but Jack Bonds are very much resents that so like it kind of builds until obviously they're going to want to you know fight each other but also they're the tag team champions so they have to keep coming together to work out but it's not kind of whatever so then we put each other at opposite ends of a tournament and of course we get to the end of the tournament and we're going to fight each other which means that this is fight that people have wanted to see that's been built up for over a year um between the tag team champions <laughs> like nation members nation members and brothers and stuff like that but we didn't fight each other because we were angry we fought each other because we had to we both really wanted to but of course we would never admit that but we had to so it leads to this big thing but the fact that we had a feud that had been built up for 18 months between the PWA tag team champions um, that it kind of started organically it was something different and it was something interesting people really wanted to see the match but that also I feel made the tournament bigger you know it made the whole thing more interesting and then we had a match that I was very proud of and then we had the sword and all that kind of stuff all that cool gear now you mentioned like, that just <laughs> quickly uh, sword why w w when was the decision made like because uh, we've had this discussion before everyone was like oh they've won the Coliseum now they're the number one contender for the PWA title. It's like, no, yeah. no, this is just a thing to itself. Yeah, we've literally never even implicated that. <laughs> like, it's just one of those things. Like, you still see tweets of the, when's people ready is going to get yeah. his shot at the PWA title? It's like, when did anybody ever say that there was a thing? Like, it was just, it was a crazy, it's just an assumption because everybody does the same boring thing. So when was the, okay, hey, we're going to have a sword. When yeah. was that kind of like, this is what we're doing? I was just kind of thinking about what prize we're going to have. And yeah. I, I was just, I don't know why... I think I saw like years ago this Japanese company who has a tournament and the winner was a sword. I'm just like, that's badass. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, well, well let's, just, let's just have a sword as a prize. And it, was just, it was just something like, because I mean, part of the other thing was right. Um, and this is what led to Fridays of the Babes um, after Coliseum because we were so afraid of being an indie company that took ourselves too seriously um, at this point in time. It was like, okay, like you see everybody just like, but, but pro, like pro wrestling is inherently ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's, it's guys in tights fake fighting and just doing stuff like it, it's silly and to not acknowledge that what you're doing to a degree is irreverent irrelevant like irreverent like it's and just there's a, a, there's a humor side to it absolutely and then black label was always supposed to be humorous and that's what the names are you know like we're not taking ourselves too seriously but then all of a sudden we're doing a show called the fight for black metal and all mm. of a sudden it feels like we're taking ourselves very seriously and it's just kind of like okay like we need to and it's good to have those serious shows but it's also you need to go back to some you know fun and that's why we had Fridays for the Babes. Um, and they basically ran the show. Like you was mentioned before, Matty Wahlberg basically set the playlist. Uh, he and set the playlist. They had the whole, like the whole thing was themed. Like they had cups. Like the show opens with uh, the, the prefix being um, taped to the pole. <laughs> and then Wahlberg <laughs> walks out and draws a dick on his face um, <laughs> while he's still taped to the pole and passed out from, you know, ostensibly the night before. And then we go out and do all that stuff. Like it's just a... Um, yeah, yeah, the idea was that it was never supposed to be taken too seriously. It was supposed to be something something that's fun. And that, that was interesting too because it, really, it was the first time that Wahlberg was really allowed to unleash. 
And that is the bell there, Bonzara. We'll call that a time limit draw as we wrap up part one of the incarnation of PWA Black Label. Got plenty more to talk about uh, on episode two. And that will include, of course, the rise of Matty Wahlberg, Coliseum from last year, and a personal favourite of yours, Diego. But we've been speaking about so much that I completely forgot to uh, give you a big congratulations. Uh, you and your partner are expecting. Yep, the uh, baby boy coming in August. Is this a ready-made uh, sort of tag team once they sort of get up to speed, or uh, what's what's the <laughs> expectation about the baby Bonza? Oh, yeah, I don't know. He's a, he's a fetus. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Expecting too much too early, I know, perhaps. He might come out and want to be a basketball player. I don't give a crap. We'll see how he goes. Absolutely. <laughs> no, that's uh, congratulations <laughs> and uh, pass that on for me. <laughs> but uh, if people want to support you, Mr. Jack J. Bonza, I believe uh, to do that, they can get your merch at wrestlermerch.com. Yeah, wrestlermerch.com. Just relaunched. Um, just relaunched the website and stuff recently. There's a lot of PWA stuff on there. Robbie Eagles, me. Um, even even referee Nick has a t-shirt out. So if you want to support any of the wrestlers, or if you some of the wrestlers listen to us and you want to get merchandise made or put on there, strongly recommend checking out wrestlermerch.com. I believe there's a really cool one with you holding a bunch of skulls. It's almost predator esque, like with yeah, the, the skulls. The, and that. the recent ones, the Mandalorian one, where yeah, it's me it. and you got Kingsley as little baby Yoda in a, in a teacup, <laughs> in a teacup uh, pram thing. So yeah. it's um. Yeah, it's a fun one. There are a few of them on there. So that's wrestler dot no sorry wrestlermerch dot com wrestlermerch dot com wrestlermerch dot com. Check it out. And also uh, socials. What's the best way if people want to at Jack Bonza? Everything's Jack Bonza at just Jack Bonza Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter. It's all the same handle. And if you want to uh, obviously give us a uh, rate and review for pro wrestling audio with jack bonza we are on spotify you can subscribe there give us a review on itunes we're also on google podcast check us out and also you can hit me up on social media at joel brown underscore jb as well would love to hear any feedback but that has been the debut episode of pro wrestling audio with jack bonza i think we did all right yeah, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> Until next time. Bonza's coming for us all. 